See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Please be seated. One of my favorite movies of all time is a movie from the 1990s called Kundun. And Kundun, if you've seen it, is about the, the early years of the current Dalai Lama. So now we're going back to, I believe, the 30s. Perhaps the movie is a bit in the 40s as well. And the story takes place in the years after the death of the last Dalai Lama. And with the, it begins with the search for the young child who would become their new spiritual leader. Now, they have a different understanding of things than we do. And there is this, this is, um, the Dalai Lama is reincarnated and shows up in the form of uh, a, another young child who is identified early on as a spiritual leader and uh, becomes the current Dalai Lama. So different set of canons than we have. But in the movie, it begins with a pair of monks searching the harsh Tibetan countryside, looking for that child who will reveal himself to them. And those monks who go, they travel very simply, so they must accept the hospitality of those who they meet along the way. And then in the beginning, one of the most beautiful moments, it's very simple in the whole film, they, they come upon a house outside the, the snow and the wind is blazing and, and you can tell there's a blizzard and the door opens and, and the woman in the household says, come in, come in, friend, come in, come in, even though they'd never met. And the monks then, they bow as in gratitude and they take from their cloaks the only possession that they seem to have and those are very simple wooden bowls which they then clean in a very ritual, beautiful manner and then they offer it to receive the hospitality of those people who they've now met who were strangers but are now their hosts. These monks were on a mission and they knew what their mission was but we might say very simply that their mission was a quest. It was a search for God. And if we look a little deeper at every quest in our lives, whether it's the small ones or the great big ones, we'll find that same journey, in for, uh, that same search for holiness, the same journey into a more wholehearted life, the same yearning for the presence of the sacred, the ability to see and touch God. Whether our search is for meaning or belonging or beauty or dignity or justice or freedom. Whenever we struggle for something more complete, that's our souls heading out into the wilderness to find something of God's presence. But the roads we travel for this are not always easy. When those Tibetan monks leave to go find the Holy One, what they do is they leave their monastery. They leave the relative comfort and stability of that warm and safe place where they are to embark on a journey that is long and dangerous 
and lonely. The landscape is parched. It's unforgiving. And yet they go. Carrying nothing but their bowls and the robes on their back. And as they headed out into an unsafe, unyielding, and uncertain environment, their very best resources were their vulnerability, their willingness to trust and to accept hospitality when it was offered, and their deep desire to see the face of God somewhere in the midst of that hostile landscape. Well, today's passage from Luke's gospel, every time I read it, takes me back to this favorite movie of mine. It takes me back to Kundun, to those itinerant monks with their begging bowls. Because what happens is Jesus commissions 70 disciples to go out, to go into every town they can, and he sends them forth with really simple instructions Go forth, but carry no bag, carry no purse, carry no sandals. Offer peace to any house that, you, that, that welcomes you in. Accept the hospitality you are given. Eat and drink what is provided for you. Go, he says, but carry nothing with you. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine going anywhere without loading up the car or packing your bag? Can you imagine going into any conversation, into any relationship with all the things that we carry on our backs and on our hearts? Think about those things for a minute. Think about all those things that weigh you down. Things that are not life-giving. That come from a world that can be deeply inhumane that come from broken relationships, that come from someplace inside of us where we were wounded. Imagine how you carry those things. Think for a minute about your actual possessions. Think about how much physical and mental space they all take up. The disciples both lived with, they lived with all of these things, and yet Jesus says to travel without them. He said, those bags that you packed so carefully, or or maybe not so carefully, you're not going to need them. Everything you put in there, you're not going to need it. In fact, you can be free from them. They weigh you down, but you can be free. You can be free. Let's talk about freedom. Freedom is at the heart of the spiritual life. We see it in Jesus' message this morning. We see it in so many religions. We see it in so many wisdom traditions. Freedom is also at the heart of our American story. One which we revisit often, but especially as we near Independence Day, which is tomorrow. We can be grateful for the gifts of liberty and the sacrifices made by so many, from soldiers to civil rights marchers, and I am deeply grateful. And we can be grateful for these things while lifting up where we fall short of our own ideals, but perhaps the gospel message is to share that our ideals of freedom are not as complete 
as we may think they are. Freedom, as created by God, is so much more than individual rights and liberties, though those are necessary and they are a good start. To be Christian, though, is to know that freedom is something more. It is a freedom that comes not through carrying our wealth and our privileges on our backs, buffering us against the uncertainties of life or deflecting those hardships onto others. It is a freedom that comes not from a system of laws that values property over dignity. To follow Jesus means that freedom comes from unburdening ourselves of the things, all those things that the world would lay on us that keep us from loving God, loving our neighbor, and loving ourselves. To follow Jesus means that until all are free, until all can have access to the freedom and dignity and wholeness that God envisions for each and every one of us, then none of us are truly free. But it's not always so simple. So it's actually kind of easy to say, carry no bags as you go out carrying the gospel. It's actually sort of fashionable to say that. It feels very Marie Kondo, right? If, if it doesn't spark joy, then we don't carry it. It's more like a 30-day cleanse than the death that it actually is, right? And it feels very zen to say, oh, just carry a robe and a bowl. You'll be fine. You're going to meet God until we realize exactly where it is we're being sent. The Tibetan monks go into a harsh landscape where they will die if they don't find homes that will invite them in. The disciples are sent, as we so often are, like lambs into the midst of wolves. We're carrying that message of belovedness means coming across danger and hatred and hostility. It shouldn't be that way, but so often it is. Despite those dangers, despite the uncertainty, we are to go, and we are to go without our stuff. Because because on the other side of evangelism, and by that I mean on the receiving end of evangelism, where we've all been at one time or another, we know what it feels like to meet missionaries who are in various stages of baggage retention, right? Have you ever encountered people who want to compel you to take on a a clear and perhaps narrow view of God who want to tell you exactly what something means even though, you know, something in your head and your heart says, I don't think that's what that really means. When, When that happens, right, I get the sense that my new best friend has some big issues, some big bags that they're trying to hang on me. It's not a very inviting view of God because I don't see much freedom in that for anybody. Not for them, not for me, not for anybody. But what does it feel like 
to instead be in the presence of someone who is less burdened by their own stuff. And you can define that stuff however you like. Who is less burdened by their own certainty or their anxiety. Someone for whom you get a sense that the Spirit of God is simply all around them. That they want to share hospitality with you simply for its own sake. Does that not feel like true freedom? Does that not feel like an invitation into something that is real and life-giving? The monks who we began with were searching for the Dalai Lama. They found the child in that home where, remember, the blizzards... You can't really imagine a blizzard right now, but use your imagination. It was very cold. Where the blizzards, the winds, the snow was blowing, and they opened the door. They said, come in, friend, come in. And they offered their bowl. And it was in that house that they met God. It was in that house that they met the child who they were seeking. This was the home where their quest would end. And the disciples of Jesus, they had a similar commission. Jesus sent them out into the world to seek the face of God in the homes that they entered. They were not to be distracted by what they could have carried. They were not to be flashy or pushy or even certain. Instead, they were called simply to be gracious. To greet the household with a wish for peace. To accept the welcome of the hospitality to those who would give it. Jesus sends those disciples out like lambs in the midst of wolves to be both God bearers and God seekers at the same time. And they couldn't do this. They could not experience and model true freedom if they were weighed down by all of that stuff that had nothing to do with God's liberating love. They couldn't do it. Instead, Jesus said, travel lightly. Unburden yourselves. Be impatient with distractions and roadblocks. But be gracious in giving and receiving hospitality. Carry no bags so that on this journey the world will change and so will you. Amen.